Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. Thank you for joining us. We are the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. question that we're wrestling with now collectively is how do we free ourselves from the current administration that's uh, insisting on running this country into the ground no matter what. And they're exposed. They're fully exposed. And before we go to our guest, I just wanted just to share this little tidbit with you I just came across. 80% of swing voters are saying that this administration is clueless, out of touch, taking us in the wrong direction. they got seven months to self-correct, or it's going to be a bloodbath. I don't even know if they can steal enough votes to make a difference in how the tide has turned. But anyway, I just thought I would bring that up. Our guest today is uh, Susan Bradford, and we're going to be talking about... A couple of people who I've really centered on, one positively and one I've said, beware, she's a Trojan horse. And we'll see what uh, Susan has to say about Tulsi Gabbard and Ron DeSantis. We're going to go there. Before we do, though, we've got to take care of a little business. And ladies and gentlemen, I warned you, they were going to tighten the noose with the food. They're tightening the noose with the food. The latest uh, catastrophe out of 23 that I have listed is fertilizer. And I'm telling you right now, you need to get as much food as you can and get out of their system as quickly as you can and as completely as you can and for as long as you can and pray there's divine intervention or some other intervention that will interrupt what they're doing. Unless you like to eat bugs, fake lab meat, uh, it's going to get ugly. So storable food is where it's at. MPS has not raised their prices. Can you believe that? They haven't raised their prices. And, And, ladies and gentlemen... Uh, they have a sale. So uh, it's the same deal, 2,000 calories per day. You want to check them out, go to preparewithdave.com. That's preparewithdave.com. And if you have food, you darn well better have water. And we're looking at, uh, well, if Putin takes the grid down, you're going to have to scavenge. A lot of you will not have access to water if that happens. So you're going to have to scavenge. There's plenty of water available in our environments. It's just you can't drink it unless you treat it. And the Alexa Pure Pro water filter does that. We recommend having three of them. As we say, what is it? Three is two, two is one, one is none. And we have three in our family because things get broken, things get lost, things get stolen, and you need to have a way to purify water. And uh, they'll have research there if you go to waterwithdave.com. And you can see how they compare to the competition, which is very favorable. And actually, it's more than favorable. It's almost dominant. And uh, they have a sale on as well, and they haven't raised prices. So we're fortunate that these two vendors are holding the line on pricing because I don't think very many other entities are. So you get the food, preparewithdave.com. You get the water, waterwithdave.com. And finally, last thing, and this will clear the slate here for this show, kind of like the British. We're doing our commercials right up front. Um, I'm telling people right now, only keep in the bank what you can afford to lose. I'm not projecting a catastrophe, but the storm clouds are there. And to say that they're not there would be to ignore reality. And uh, I'm not saying it's 1929, but I'm also saying it's not. And I'm saying I would err on the side of caution, and I would keep operating capital in the bank, and, and I would diversify 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 i would gold proof my iras and 401ks if i were you i would try a little bit of bitcoin i would try some gold and silver i would diversify in to assets that have held their value through time and do not trust the bank after all when you put your money in the bank the courts have declared you're an unsecured creditor and they own the money so they're under no legal obligation to give it back to you 
So what do you do? Well, you can call Noble Gold and do what I did. I went in from just being an advertiser at one time to where I'm now a customer. We're doing something again just today. Believe it or not, we're doing it today. We're making another adjustment, and I would suggest you do the same thing. If you have a nest egg to protect and you don't have to be a millionaire, I would call Noble Gold for low-pressure advice. Now, if you don't want to talk to anybody initially, you can have them send you material at and just go to goldbeforelate.com. That's goldbeforelate.com, and they'll send you free material. They will not even call you. You'll have to contact them. They're trained to be passive. And if you want to talk to someone immediately, call 877 877- Six four six five three four seven. That's eight seven seven six four six five three four seven. And please note the advertising that we're bringing you here on the Common Sense Show. I hope you never need it, but given the gravity of the times right now, I'm afraid you might. And so all of our advertising, and we turned down about ninety percent of what we're offered to advertise, but we try to stay to what we fear or know that our listening audience is going to need. So please. Please take this to heart and prep, because if you go knocking on doors when the crisis comes, you're not going to find very many people who are willing or even able to help you. So I would recommend right now preparation should become your number one endeavor after taking care of your family and your job. Well, Susan Radford has a very interesting background in journalism, and she has interviewed some of the more, I don't want to use the word notorious, or infamous, but she's interviewed some people of note and some people who the middle class of this country would not describe as their friend. And she's also been involved with some big, uh, well, she's rubbed elbows with some of the rich and powerful in Europe as well. And she had a stint with CBS News. And Susan, I want to welcome you to the show. And uh, for the listening audience that is growing here as we expand into new venues, um, tell people a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you so much for having me today, David. Um, Our pleasure. uh, Thank you. Um, So uh, I I am a journalist who serves the public interest. Um, I I went into journalism, you know, wanting to be, you know, foreign correspondent or possibly working in international foreign diplomacy. Um, And I ended up doing uh, my master's degree in in England um, in international relations at the University of Essex. And uh, while I was there, um, I founded the European Review, which was the, a departmental publication for the Center for European Studies. Um, that enabled me to kind of work with some of the, um, the European elite, to both to interview them, to solicit their manuscripts, and, and publish like, their perspective wow. on where they were taking the European Union. Um, and then uh, concurrently, um, I, I worked for the Atlantic Council of the UK as senior research fellow uh, um, and uh, um, Essex um, representative on the uh, NATO Universities Advisory Committee. Um, and then when I graduated, um, I worked um, as a speechwriter for the UK Shadow Foreign Secretary. Uh, so I was able to kind of like you know, during that time, I was able to, to I guess, work within the, the British um, establishment to get a sense of where they were taking the world, um, how they um, applied their strategies, what their their networks were. Um, And I have um, endeavored to kind of use that knowledge uh, in the public interest, like to help that the people understand what is happening to them and why, like to arm them with information that can empower them. Um, and I, I know you mentioned some of the more <laughs> notorious people I've interviewed. Um, among them were, um, for example, Jack Abramoff, um, the most notorious uh, um, super lobbyist uh, um, who uh, uh, bought Capitol Hill during the Bush administration, um, and Baron Robert uh, Rothschild, who uh, established the uh, the European Common Market. That's wow. a, a few highlights. That that that's more than most people accomplish in a lifetime. That's really impressive. What what was your main takeaway, before we go to our topic, I just wonder, what was your main takeaway about the character and direction that the people who are running Europe wanted to take the, the continent? Um, they... They wanted, um, and this was back in the late 1990s, but they wanted um, more tighter European control through the European um, institutions, further European integration. Um, they were um, building um, a TAFTA um, through a, um, an initiative called the New Atlantic Initiative, um, which was endorsed by Margaret Thatcher, Helmut Schmidt, and Henry Kissinger. This was to merge the uh, the European Common Market with uh, NAFTA, like to build a bridge to forming a TAFTA, and then like they were kind of integrating the various um, 
economic markets throughout the world. And they also were very keen on bringing um, Turkey into the European Union. And I, I didn't understand why at the time they were trying to do that because Turkey is Muslim and Europe is Judeo-Christian. And they, you know, of course, Turkey was a strategic ally of NATO, but it wasn't, you know, culturally um, in sync with Europe. And as I've discovered since, um, part of their strategy for bringing in uh, Turkey into the European Union was a part to conquer Europe. You know, they wanted to kind of overwhelm um, the social safety net and um, essentially force uh, Europe to adopt um, um, Islam, you know, to essentially to be conquered but by Islam, which is um, a strategic partner of the Vatican. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's a mouthful. Um, who do they serve? If you were to say... They, they really are beholding to a group. What would that group be? Um, the group would be the um, international bankers, I think. Um, we're talking about the, the Rothschilds in particular and the black nobility um, whose power is concentrated around the Vatican. Yes, and I wouldn't describe them as a friend of the people. Uh, no, they're not. Um, these are, are people, they were uh, a predatory merchants um, whose power goes back centuries. Um, they aligned with the merc- mercenary forces. You know, today we have uh, a Blackwater. Um, back in the day, they had Turkish, Khazarian, um, and Mongolian um, warriors who would conquer territories for them. And they um, worked with intelligence networks. Um, uh, and um, and governments to, essentially to kind of their, their their modus operandi was to overthrow governments, to kill as many people as they they could within those territories, enslave the rest, seize the natural resources, and then establish some type of market dominance in those areas. Um, and they used the government as a weapon against the people to kind of extract wealth from them that was not used to like to invest and in, reinvest in those societies, but that wealth was redirected to themselves. So essentially, they were, um, uh, you know, they, they had um, they were enslaving the, the, the people and uh, I guess using using the people as a human resource and. Um, their objective was to keep the people at a, a subsistence level um, independency so they would have a, enough um, resources and wealth to reproduce, to, to make a, um, a very basic living. And um, beyond that, they were dependent upon, uh, upon the elites um, who, whom they served and who were extracting revenue from them. Wow. So, that's, and that's a tactic that they continue today. <laughs> like the pattern was established centuries ago. And so that the multinationals that have stemmed from that, you know, which are controlled interlocking boards of directors, go all the way back to, to those early merchants. So they are you know, controlling the, the corporate landscape today and through uh, uh, money, you know, the, uh, the, you know cap, uh, campaign finance, money and politics, they're able to you know, control our government. Okay. That's... Um that matches with an interview I just did last night. That's very, very interesting okay. the way you put that. Um, not much room for the little guy. It's kind of like shut up, peasant, get in line. The system is unfortunately rigged uh, in favor of them and against we the people. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, let's turn our attention to um, the subjects at hand. Um, and I'm going to let you choose. We're going to talk about DeSantis and Gabbert, and which one would you like to start with? Um, well, we could, you know, start with DeSantis if you'd like. Okay, I think that's an easier one to do. Okay. Um, okay, so with DeSantis, now I, um, I generally like DeSantis. Um, there are some um, noteworthy aspects about how he is um, governing that I think are worth, you know, calling out. Um, one is that while he has. Um, Champion, you know, Judeo-Christian values like um, uh, transgenders, transgender uh, swim athlete or, or athletes uh, competing against um, girls, you know, who are taking, you know, taking their, uh, you know, their scholarships away from them. Um, and uh, he has um, worked against, um, mand- you know, ma- mask mandates. The, the fact of the matter is that. Um, uh, according to the, the Vatican and to the elite, we are already living in a post-pandemic world. So I, I don't think, you know, I think that those concessions are, are, are you know, they're, they're good for show. They appease the people and, and feed the base, but I don't think they're very substantive. You know, and of course, um, you know, 
the average person may not be in, in favor of you know, of um, bringing your know, transgender uh, candidates um, in, into uh, athletics programs where they have a biological advantage, you know, against you know, women, particularly where men would have a biological advantage against women. Um, I think that those are their red herrings, and they're, they're topics around which people can become um, mobilized but also distracted, yes, you know, I from agree. the wider issue. Um, so the one uh, issue that kind of that I, I that caught my eye with DeSantis is that um, he negotiated um, one of the most um, historic, uh, largest, most historic and lucrative casino compacts with the Seminole tribes of Florida. Now, that uh, compact was struck down, I believe, by the courts on what it had intended to do is to expand um, sports betting throughout the state. And I believe that the courts uh, blocked that as um, gaming um, was intended. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time intended to be for the tribe anyway was intended to be um um confined to the reservations and they wanted to you know to dominate the state um but um the the tribes um are a means through which the deep state has um, projected itself into into the nation and, and into its institution. It was the means through which social democracy was brought into the United States. Uh, in particular, um, the Seminole Tribe of Florida, its original gaming operations were uh, funded by a group associated with Meyer Lansky. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, Dave, um, but he was, mm-hmm. you know who that is. He was, uh, <laughs> well, on my book, in Jim Marr's book, he uh, was part of the Kennedy assassination. Interesting. And he fixed um, the uh, he fixed the Chicago election so Kennedy could get elected in Cook County. That's interesting. Um, he, he he was also um, a key figure in the International Crime Syndicate. He was working with George Bush, Her- mm-hmm. Herbert Walker Bush, um, on CIA missions against Fidel Castro, <laughs> um, and he was also connected to uh, Tibor Rosenbaum. 
um, who had established um, Resorts International in Atlantic City. Um, Tibor Rosenbaum was heavily connected to um, the Mossad, the CIA, and that Resorts International was um, um, also bankrolled by David Rockefeller and um, Baron Edmund de Rothschild. So you have those forces kind of coalescing around Resorts International, and then based upon the um, the casino uh, casinos that were uh, developing and flourishing within Atlantic City, um, Meyer Lansky was able to corral some of that money and establish um, the bingo operations within Florida. Um, the early bingo operations kind of set the stage for um, Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein, because they used that money to um, to kind of compromise and bribe judges and other elected officials, you know, to do the bidding of the tribe. And that practice has continued to this day. Like the, the, the great wealth that has been created in Indian country, it was meant to be... Uh, to, to be invested within Indian country to, to finance their governments, to provide um, for the schools and, and medical care, health care, and for the needs of the Indians. But um, as is the case, um, you know, for those who've studied Indian country, Indians remain very poor. So where is the money going? And the money is being used to capitalize big business. It was used to finance the mergers and acquisitions departments of Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley. It's invested in the schools and the governments the courts. So essentially the, the, the tribes are a means through which the, the deep state can kind of pour money into the society at large and then control its institutions. Now I'm sure uh, DeSantis isn't thinking along those lines. He, he probably is expecting that um, the, the greater and the more prosperous the Seminole tribe is, the more money that he can raise for his party and for himself. But the fact is that the Florida state legislature has rejected uh, casino gambling um, in Florida for for many years, for decades. The people are opposed to it, and yet uh, casino gambling uh, flourishes throughout Florida and throughout the country at large, with the precedent having been set in Florida. Um, the original bingo operations um, were used as a, a template and the precedent for all the, cas- the hundreds of casinos that were established throughout the country, and most of those casinos were um, uh, funded by um, money from the Indian Claims Commission, the millions of dollars that were given to the tribes in uh, in exchange for the land that was lost to the ancestors of those tribal members. So the money was intended for the Indians, but was instead uh, corralled into uh, uh, into the tribal councils, used for for casinos, and the ca- the casinos in turn had been used to kind of bankroll the deep state, to uh, bankroll the big banks, who in turn have become reckless with our money. They've used that money, you know, to create um, private equity funds, um, like a Carlisle Group is one of one of the private equity funds that kind of emerged from, you know, from these tribal operations, um, to uh, in turn, you know, buy up our real estate, to engage in, you know, kind of reckless um, real estate um, investments. And they've done a tremendous amount of damage to the middle class and to the country at large. Um, and again, I'm, I'm sure that um, DeSantis isn't thinking along those lines. He may not even be aware of, um, you know, the, the danger that these tribes pose or the corruption that they bring with them. But um, the fact remains that he negotiated one of the most historic, um, one of the largest uh, uh, gaming compacts in history with the Seminole Tribe of Florida. And I believe that he wouldn't have done that had he not um, been under the, the political influence of that tribe and received money from that tribe. So he's essentially doing their bidding, which makes him, you know, in my opinion, opinion anyway, anyway, somewhat compromised. Hmm. Is this, uh, in your view, is it unethical what he's done? Um, I, I think it isn't unethical. I know it's, Par for the course in in politics, it, it happens. What he did is um, many other governors um, are are doing within their own states. Um, but I believe that that it is unethical um, because that the bigger and more powerful these tribes become, the more power they wield within the state, um, and the more money they're able to ex- extract from it by way of lobbying. So they're able to. Um, uh, generate more uh, government contracts for themselves, uh, and uh, you know, as, you know, we we know from um, from our own research um, 
these tribes are not working within the national interest. They're working on behalf of um, the Vatican and the Rothschilds, which control them. Um, and so I, I think if he were truly serving the, the, the interests of, of the people, um, he, he would um, be curtailing, you know, casino gambling. Um, he would be protecting the, the people from the crime that, you know, that is um, promoted, you know, through the expansion of gaming. Um, but I think he could be looking at the, the amount of, of money that stands to be made and uh, if uh, he can secure, you know, millions to billions of dollars from, uh, as a cut from those operations, he can ensure that the, the Floridians um, don't have to shoulder, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess as much as um, high of a level of taxes as, as they might otherwise. So he might help um, curb the you know, the taxes that, that they might that they might have to. Um, absorb otherwise but i i do think that it it is um it is unethical and it, it's reflecting that um you know he's he's is part of the, the pay to play um game which i think um most uh most leaders are and i suspect had he not been willing to do what he did he likely would never have become the governor of florida to begin with so i, I think it was a decision that was made in his own um personal self-interest to help him you know, uh, pursue his political ambitions, and by serving these interests, he potentially has positioned himself to become uh, a prospective um, president of the United States. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Um, so, is is his? I'm trying to think of the way to put it. His apparent representation of mainstream America, soccer moms and the SUVs defending kids, is this all for show, or is this who he really is? Uh, no, I, I can't really you know, know what, what's in his heart. He may, he may truly you know, care about those people, um, but the, uh, the tribal interests, um, are really the, I mean, they're, they're so tied into the, the international crime syndicate, the, the Rothschilds, the Vatican, these different special interests who are betraying the soccer moms, they're betraying the middle class. Um, they are largely re- responsible for, you know, the, the um, increase in real estate values and the higher real estate taxes and re- making, um, uh, um, you know, uh, real estate uh, more unaffordable for the average person. Um, they are behind uh, the Green New Deal, you know, which is making um, our natural resources, gas, for example, um, a lot uh, more unaffordable for the average person. They're subsidizing, um, uh, you know, a free university for um, you know for minorities and immigrants at the, the taxpayer's expense, while the average American is struggling to send their own children to school. Um, and they, you know, they have um, partnered with uh, defense contractors who have spurred a number of wars that are not in the national interest, but in which have um, generated a tremendous amount of debt for the average person. So I think if you if you look at the big picture, I would say that he is not serving the interests of you know the, the, the average um, middle class person or the soccer mom. So he's uh, focusing on a popular issue that'll promote him. You, you know who you make him sound like, Glenn Youngkin. Exactly. <laughs> you agree exactly with that? Exactly right. I, I do. Like they, they they corral people around these issues that that are that that will elicit a strong emotional reaction from people like transgender in politics or have, being forced to wear masks in schools. But in in the larger scheme of things, those are such minor issues. When you look at you know what these elites are doing to the country on a on a national level, you know within you know our our banks and and governments and so forth. My goodness, I never thought I'd make that comparison today in this interview between Youngkin and and DeSantis. All right, so do you agree he's uh, White House bound in his mind? I I, I do, and he kind of. Um, deep in the uh, the comparison between um, DeSantis and and Yunkin, um, the one of the um, the Seminole tribe of Florida's um, tribal tribal councils is Greenberg Traurig, and you may not remember Greenberg Traurig, but they represented um, Bush Cheney in its contest for Florida's electoral votes back in the um, the 1999 2000 election. Hanging chance. Um, they, 
that that's correct. And they they did this working alongside Jim Baker, who's a major investor in the Carlyle Group. So you're really looking at the same nexus of interest uh, around DeSantis um, and uh, and Yunkin, like the ne- same type of you know, financial interests are backing both of them. Neocon. Uh, uh, Yunkin and DeSantis. Yeah, but I'm saying, would Neocon be a fair descriptor? Yes, it would be. Yes, it would be. Hmm. Boy, you're taking the sale out because <laughs> DeSantis is someone I've kind of liked. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I've liked him, but what you're saying makes perfect sense. All right, l- let's shift gears, and I'm, I'm sure we'll find a way to return to DeSantis, but I have done, well, public presentation in which she got mentioned, seven YouTube videos, and an article. And Tulsi Gabbard's a gun grabber, full abortion supporter. Every liberal issue, she's behind. So it seems in her past. And now all of a sudden, we're supposed to believe she's had this transformation of being a constitutionally loving politician. I don't. I don't trust her. I see her as a Trojan horse. How do you see her? I. I, I agree. I agree with you on that. Um, now, Tulsi Gabbard um, is also a, a Hindu. She was the, the daughter of a, of a Roman Catholic, and, but she's also a, a confirmed Hindu. And the reason that that might be important is that um, Hinduism and Buddhism are the religions of the occult or of, of the um, the ruling elite. Um, so this is, you know, it's, it, it is something to to be um, to take note of um, that she was a, a keynote speaker at CPAC, which um, is a a group centered around traditional Judeo-Christian conservative values, you know, bringing a, a Hindu to that, that platform to speak about God and country is, you know, is, is interesting. Um, she appears to be, uh, to be a Zionist. Um, um, I, I know that she has kind of championed um, uh, Israeli interests. And my view is that the, um, uh, the stance that she has taken on the Ukraine, um, which ha- has aligned with Russia, reflects the, the fact that she is uh, supporting um, the, is the Russia-Israeli-China uh, alliance against the United States. And I, I, I don't necessarily agree with what we are doing in, in the Ukraine. I don't think we have any strategic interest there. I know we've got our own uh, corruption issues and that um, we did stage a coup d'etat in, in the Ukraine um, which appears to be, you know, a center of a lot of, of mafia and criminal activity. But the position that Tulsi Gabbard has taken is in line with the Zionist position. So it would appear that she is uh, Israel first and, and not American first, or America first. Hmm. I, I didn't go down the Zionist path with her. I don't know if you I forget the name of the guy who runs CPAC. But Paul Preston told me, and he's been pretty public about it on his show, that uh, the head of CPAC received $183,000 from George Soros to let Tulsi Gabbard speak. Does that oh, wow. I, I was, you weren't aware of that? Yeah, I was not aware of that. does not surprise me. And I, I think that Google is also now a sponsor of CPAC. Yeah, they are. And so they've told you everything we need to know. <laughs> that it has become an establishment operation. Yeah, and it's so typical to basically control your opposition by owning it. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals from MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. And unfortunately, they, they have done that. Um, I mean, it's, it's a shame because I've, I've always admired and, and liked Tulsi Gabbard. Um, but she has supported um, uh, and endorsed um, Bernie Sanders, who's a communist. And I don't know how you can go from that to suddenly being a, a, a strict constitutionalist. Yeah, she gave a speech at C- <clears throat> excuse me. She gave a speech at CPAC that I listened to, twenty some minutes long, and it was a speech that a senior in high school would give in their government class about the virtues of the Constitution and the First Amendment. It, it, it had no depth for a politician, no application. 
So somebody possibly wrote it for her. Um, the, the, the reason why I, I mentioned, you know, the, the you know her, her background as a, as a Hindu is that um, Hinduism and Buddhism were the basis of the rational enlightenment. And within the rational enlightenment, um, the the ide- ideology behind it is that you should uh, that integrity is not important. You know, the, the standard Judeo Christian ethos is that you know you want you speak your truth, you operate with integrity, um, and within the, the national interest and within you know of course the interest of your family, but you're you're serving, you're ultimately serving um, God, who who is the Word, who is the truth. Um, within the rational enlightenment, um, to have integrity is to, is to be weak and foolish. You you'd want to align your position, which with that which which would provide you with the greatest opportunity for wealth and power. And so I believe that that is what she has done. That she is revealing herself not to have any uh, to, not to have any principles. That she is a person who is a, you know, maybe a political opportunist, and she is seeing that um, her interests are are uh, better aligned by aligning with with the Zionists. So you're seeing that you know, she is uh, um, providing the standard talking points um, in, in her speeches. And I believe that Hillary Clinton had also identified her as uh, a possible a renegade um, who would run on a third-party ticket for the presidency. So she may be somebody who would uh, split the vote, you know, between the Republicans and, and, and Democrats, you know, in, in, a, in a presidential run. And she, so she would be appealing to, the, to those issues that would resonate with the average American. You know, they would think that she is on, on their side. Uh, but really, you know, she is, of course, another... Um, yeah, another establishment candidate. It's funny you'd say this. How coincidental, or how observational both of us. <laughs> Since October, September, I've been saying, Tulsi Gabbard, watch her. She's going to form a third party. She, her mission is to split the Republican vote, just like the 1912 election with Taft and Roosevelt versus Wilson. And Wilson ends up being president, very improbable president. And I said that I think this is her mission. What made you arrive at that conclusion? Um, I think what what Hillary Clinton <laughs> arrived at it before me, but but also the fact that um, she she is portraying herself as a reformer, and typically, uh, why well, I, I, she reminded me of. Um, of Ross Perot and other third-party candidates who who've done the same. Bingo. <laughs> We've walked. We, we didn't even talk about this, and we're walking down the same path right now with Tulsi Gabbard. This is why I call her America's Great Trojan Horse. That's my name for her. I, I agree with that. I, I agree with that characterization. All right. Goodness gracious. Here. Um, <laughs> This interview right here, folks, I don't have to go any further. This is worth the price of admission. Do not be sucked in by Tulsi <laughs> Gabbard. She, you don't go from being uh, pro post-term abortion, gun confiscation, uh, to espousing the First Amendment before CPAC. Sorry, I'm not buying it. No, I, I completely agree with you. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, she, she was... Um, a card-carrying liberal, um, you know, up until what? what when, did, when did she she change her position and become? I'm going to say in the last in the last eight or nine months. <laughs> and I think this was after she endorsed uh, Joe Biden, and then maybe she saw that the the, Repu- the Democrats were falling out of favor and thought she would maybe align herself with uh, Republicans, I guess. But she's not Biden's friend I, now. No, she's not. You know, there's a side issue I, I, I want to bring up with you, if you don't mind. Um, go ahead. <clears throat> it's um, Fox News, particularly Tucker Carlson, but Fox News has her on that I see once or twice a week, and that's just when I catch her. She's inundating this so-called masquerading conservative news outlet, pro-America. And here she is talking about the evils of the Biden administration and the Democratic Party as a whole. And uh, interesting, though, Tucker asked her a few months ago, he says, uh, are you still a Democrat? And she didn't answer the question. Interesting. 
Yeah, interesting. But here's the other thing that bothers me, too. Tucker Carlson has done a segment on voter fraud in Wisconsin with an ex-Supreme Court justice from that state who said there's five counties we can definitely prove voter fraud in. The Speaker of the House there that will not let this come out in the open. He's blocking everything. But other than that, Fox doesn't touch this topic at all. They, they they hit the issue of vaccine, but they don't really get into how bad the vaccine is for individual health. Um, Fox News, controlled opposition, and Tulsi Gabbard is, uh, uh, shall we say, their minion that they've been told to promote. Correct. And uh, I think Fox News is run by, um, by Rupert Murdoch, who was... Um, I think according according to uh, to British sources, he was a, a Mossad asset, you know, along with um, uh, um, Robert Maxwell. So he's going to be promoting um, the Zionist line, and I believe that Tulsi Gabbard is um, a Zionist at this point. <laughs> One of their oh people. <laughs> gosh! I hope a lot of people hear this interview. This was worth the price of admission right here. I mean, this is. Something I've been carrying around. Dave, why are you so hard on Tulsi Gabbard? Because every time she comes on Fox and speaks to the lies that I know she's lying about who she, what she believes, I call her out. I do it every single time I see her. And people, why are you so obsessed with Tulsi? Well, now you know why. She's going to make it possible for the Democrats to retain power if we don't expose her for what she is. But she, she is a very um, articulate and presentable candidate. I think she... She, she does have a good chance of, of, of winning potentially, or at least you know, splitting the vote. I, I see her as a twenty percent vote getter, but that's all you'd need. Um, but I will say this: Had Ross Perot not quit for that real bogus "my daughter's wedding" nonsense excuse, um, he would have won the election. He was I can see that. big time, and he had a double-digit lead. He had a double-digit lead over Bush and Clinton. And it's kind of like, okay, Ross, you were supposed to do this, but you're doing it a little bit too well. And um, and he really hooked people in with NAFTA. Um, Tulsi's big hook is freedom of speech, constitutional liberty, big tech is bad. And that's her mantra right now. Um, but I, I look at this and I'm thinking, if the Republicans don't get someone who's in good stead, um, she could possibly win. She could, and remember that um, you know Cambridge Analytica um, exposed, or the, I guess that the, con- the con- controversy surrounding Cambridge Analytica revealed that um, our political elites are monitoring social media. They're, they're trying to, to determine, you know, what values, what issues, and ideas are the, the people going to rally around. And I think they have a good idea of um, where people stand and. Um, they have, you know, compiled um, talking points that they're giving to their uh, prospective candidate. Um, I think Tulsi Gabbard, you know, is speaking to those issues. Hmm. You know, as, as if they were, were her own. Is there anybody out there at all that comes to your mind that you say um, is not owned by the establishment and they really are their own person? Or is that just a myth that can never happen? Well, I, I think you're definitely one of them. <laughs> um, but I'm not in I, politics. I know we, you're not in politics. Um, that, that's a good question. I would really need to think about that. Um, I know that you had mentioned um, Elon Musk before we started the show, and I think that Elon Musk could uh, potentially be uh, could, could potentially run um, on the Republican side. Yes. Um, I think he's a very um, attractive candidate. He's you know a billionaire who is uh, taking on. Uh, you know the, the technocratic elite, but he was essentially created by them, and he, um, you know, his, his entire his companies were uh, were subsidized, you know, by the government. Um, he's a member of the Royal Society of, of London, um, so he is essentially advancing the, um, you know, the, the agenda that the elites have have set out for him. But I, I think that he would have a, a fairly good chance of um, of winning the Republican nomination. Yeah, it's interesting you say that we were in Dallas for a conference I was doing and so Monday we're on our way to the uh, rental car return and we're in Dallas and we drive by the monument of California failure a Tesla plant, we drove right by a Tesla plant 
in uh, in Dallas near near Love Field. And I thought that's that's the great testament to the failure of uh, the Democratic Party in in California. But then I started thinking, hold on, and this is where I had kind of an epiphany. I could see Musk challenging Trump for the nomination in 2024. I, I can see that, and I, I think he would win if he were to do so. Um, and I believe that the Tesla plant was brought in by um, Ted Cruz, wasn't it? He was a party in helping. You know, the extent of his involvement, I'm not sure. But I do know publicly he came out against it and used it to criticize the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi in California. Interesting. But see, I'm not a believer in Ted Cruz either. And, and, and a lot of people are talking about him as a populist candidate. And let me tell you why I say no. First of all, his conduct in the 2016 election, he acted like an establishment figure, and he had a lot of the neocon police. But even more than that, his wife, Heidi, member of Goldman Sachs, and sits on the Council of Foreign Relations. And I think he was uh, created by um, by George W. Bush. He came into politics as an advisor for him, if, if I'm not mistaken. I think then he became uh, Solicitor General of Texas. Mm-hmm. So he he, has, he owes his uh, career to uh, to Bush, and you know, Bush is as you know establishment as you can get. Uh, I, I see Ted Cruz as somebody who, who does a lot of uh, grandstanding. I think he talks to um, the populist issues, but I think um, at, at heart, you know, he is advancing the agenda of the elite. That's my feeling too. And he couldn't stay married to Heidi if it was any other way. Yeah, I just, just, I've never trusted Ted Cruz, although I find myself rooting for him many times when he speaks. But you're right, it's it's all show and no go. He's Tulsi Gabbard in Republican clothing. Unfortunately, you know, we we do we we have to remove um, the overarching influence of money in politics because um, campaign finance is the lifeblood of our campaigns. And so our politicians um, are almost required to speak to those issues and to champion those issues um, uh, from which, uh, from those uh, uh, sources which which give them money. And of course, the the deepest pockets are associated with the the major investment banks, multinationals, um, and you know the technocratic elite. So it's if they want to win, you know, an election, go ahead. I was going to say it's almost like you're eavesdropping on my conversations. I have said that we need to unelect Republican incumbents in the primary, get new blood in, and maybe it'll make a difference, maybe it won't. But assuming it could, the first thing they need to do when they get to Congress is to outlaw campaign contributions in any form. I agree. And and I think all elections with qualifying electorates, they should be uh, publicly funded. Uh, because that way you keep uh, the corporations from buying the election, at least overtly. And we would need our, our media to be honest and you know, to allow them uh, to, to do, do their the due diligence to provide platforms for these candidates and to properly vet them. But of course, you know our our main uh, mainstream media um, are, are owned by these uh, multinationals who have business before uh, Capitol Hill. So they are also pouring money um, into the political process, and they have a vested interest in electing establishment candidates and um, not not properly vetting them. You know, because they want to make sure that their their interests you know are, are properly served. Yeah, I want to get your reaction to something that happened in Texas a little over a week ago. They had a primary for the retention of ten judges, Democrats. Mm-hmm. So it was Democrats voting for Democrats. No Republican influence. And the Democrats rejected all 10 incumbent judges. Interesting. Do you read anything into that? And that was in Harris County, by the way, outside of Houston. That's interesting. Um, now, I know that uh, back in 2013, I know this is, again, um, citing uh, you know Anna Von Wright, and she's somewhat of a controversial figure. She's the, the common law a judge in Alaska. She said that as of um, 2013, um, 
the uh, our attorneys you know, who have to be registered by uh, the American Bar Association, um, which is ultimately controlled by um, the Crown Temple in London, the City of London, um, the, as of uh, 2013, they no longer have to serve um, the British elite, you know, the, the Temple Bar. So they are they are free to to actually um, uh, rule according to the Constitution. And rule um, in in the interests of you know of, of we the people. So I don't I don't know if changes within um, the courts are somehow uh, affecting um, judges or if judges are choosing to resign if they're bringing in new people or so I I know that um, George Soros has you know bankrolled a number of, of these judges, but I think that there there, there are a lot of um, changes going on behind the scenes you know that, that we're not entirely aware of, like a changing of the guard if you will. In terms of what candidates get promoted, um, in, in terms of, um, I, I think there there are judges who've been bought and paid for. Um, I, I think that their uh, level of compromise is known. Um, I think that some of those judges may be uh, stepping aside, um, and I, I don't know that um, whether that the new uh, candidates will be um, will rule with, with more um, more integrity, or if they're bringing in a new a new group of candidates who who will then um, rule it, uh, according to um, the new the new special interests, or according to the, the new uh, game plan that they have set up. Very interesting. That's but um, well, that's really an astute observation. It truly is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a move towards populism. I think what I saw. I hope these, you're right. These judges, but but. We have Dominion voting machines and corrupt officials, and you talked about uh, the, the, the the judges who are compromised. Well, you know what I've told you about Arizona uh, election and what I found out about our loyalty of our officials. The, uh, the entire governor and, and his establishment and uh, the elected officials, senior elected officials in Arizona, down to the county prosecutors, down to the county clerk and recorders, they're all controlled by George Soros or China. All of them. That's that's a problem. And it's easy to prove. It's got, okay. I'll give you one, just one example here. Jack Sellers, who was the at the time of the election, was the head of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, and the Gateway Pundit published much of the same stuff I did. He was the go-to guy who brought in Chinese businesses, which is the CCP because they're not separate, and he brought in Chinese businesses to every suburb, the city of Phoenix all the state universities, all the utility companies, and most of the major Fortune 500 corporations that are headquartered in Arizona. And and I'm thinking, you basically have China owning our infrastructure. Correct. Well, let, let, let me ask you this. Um, I know that you don't like to get into, like, QAnon territory, but there was a fellow by the name of um, Russell J. Gold who claimed that he... Um, or he seized the American flag back in 1999. Do you know anything about that? No. Okay, he was stating that um, based upon what he did, that going forward, um, we could never hold another election because he said that once he he accomplished that, the Constitution in the United States was rendered um, null and void. And I think there's also an issue with with Nisera that based upon the discoveries of that class action, like with um, in which the the, um, the the banks illegally foreclosed upon the farm farmers, um, this was the class action that was the basis of Nisera, that there were. Um, uh, the fraud within the international banking system was exposed, and that the elites, um, in, in order to kind of cover their bases, to to um, to compensate themselves and and others who they had had wronged, they began to sell off different. They began to sell off America's assets, like our, our infrastructure, um, our roads, um, and so forth, ports, airports, either Saudi Arabia, China, and, and that began, I think. You know, um, in, in concert with um, the Nasera lawsuits. Um, I don't have a direct response to that. I don't have an indirect response that weighs very closely to what you're talking about. I wrote an article. Actually, I covered it twice. Underground mineral assets in America. And it, I don't remember the exact amount. I have to go back and look at the um, figures. 
and they will change certainly because of inflation. But effectively, we could pay off our national debt several times over with our underground wealth. And I agree. When I when I looked at everything that was there, I said the only thing preventing this from happening is the well basically china bought our debt and i made the point at this time this is pre-trump when i first wrote this i said you can't satisfy chinese creditors if you're selling off their future assets oh interesting see i really believe the wee fang speech and this speech was leaked too widely. I was one of the first ones to get it, so I kind of thought, I'm out on a limb a little bit, but I'm going to go with it. But since that time, this has been validated. Wee Fang was the same as the two previous defense ministers in that he called for genocide against the American people for the purposes of national occupation here, sending 300 million colonists here, to, and we're the only country that can uh, materialistically satisfy their re- resource needs. And they want us out. And they, they, and we Fang specifically mentioned the use of bio-specific uh, race weapons developed in conjunction with Israel. And uh, the Chinese nationals that are here, 14 million of them would be spared. That's in his speech. This is not uh, someone told somebody who told me. This is directly what he said to the CCP in the speech that was transcribed and leaked. I remember something along those lines that they they want to to cleanse America of hundreds of millions of people. I think we have 300 million people living here or, or so, um, because yeah, you're right that that North America has the, the land space um, and the, the resources that they need. Um, I think that our corporations have polluted their landscape, but they want. Yeah, they they want our kind of relatively clean um, environment, and they want to tap at the resources. But I think, according to um, Anna von Wrights, we have more than paid our our debt. In fact, um, we are a creditor nation. You know, she said that if, if you were to, to balance the books um, on uh, with you know within the Fed, that they're not they're not um, lodging our, our credits. That they're trying to. Um, make it appear as though we are in debt, but we're actually a creditor nation, and that since we are a creditor nation, China would not be able to take possession of North America. Interesting. And she has, well, at least not legally. attempted to make that case. At least not, not legally, correct. At least not legally, yeah. Not legally. I, I, I hear you. Well, we're almost out of time, and, and um, this this is so fascinating. I mean, I could, I could go on like this for hours because we've covered so much valuable territory. But uh, we got to let the audience know how they can follow your good works. Let me just say this, too. As you come across things you think are interesting and would be of this kind of value to our audience, I, I don't hesitate to contact me. We'll get you back on the air. Oh, um, but will do. Thank you for that. So, anyway, tell us uh, about your work and how people can follow you. Okay, thank you. I, I've, I've written um, a number of uh, books kind of exposing or at least trying to, to educate the people about the deep state and, and their machinations, how we got to the position where we are so that we can find our way back and take back our country. Um, and you can find my books um, on my website, which is uh, Um You can contact me there. Um, and uh, um, there's a little information on, on my, my background, um, a few articles, um, and I I, I always enjoy hearing you know from the audience. You're, you're welcome to contact me as well. Would you say that you had a transformation from either knowingly or unknowingly being part of the establishment to what you do now, which is basically reform work? Um, I, I think um, I always was a person who championed integrity and, and clean government. I had mm-hmm. no idea how corrupt the, gov- the government actually was. But once I, be- I became aware of what we were up against and what our, our leaders were doing against the, the people, um, I really had no choice you know, but to be a champion of the people. And I, I wouldn't have yeah. it any other way. And see, I went through a similar transformation. I can completely mm-hmm. identify. You get into something and it looks all professional at the top, but as you delve into the depth, then you start to realize it's not as it appears to be. I've been there. We'll Correct. have to talk about that another time because I'll share with you some things. Anyway, we are flat out of time, Susan. This was fascinating. Thank you so much for coming oh, on the Common Thank Sense you. Show. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. 
We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TheCommonSenseShow.tv. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.